If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only mr christopher gorham hi Listen. by the way there i'm not the one and only there are other christopher gorms there's one of them that comes up on like google every once in a while that like runs a, a goodwill like somewhere he's like probably a much better person than i am I was just going to say, but has he been in so many of our favorite TV shows and movies? <laughs> no. I mean, no. what is going on? I see you have your coffee. It's earlier where you are, so you have an excuse. I'm in New York City, so I really shouldn't still be drinking coffee at one in the afternoon. But I would never shame you. I always have coffee after lunch. I'm fully supportive of that. It's like <laughs> it's just one of those days. So listen, yep. The Lincoln Lawyer, Netflix, congrats. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's um, I, I had a chance to watch the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, sometimes when you're filming things, you just don't really know what it's going to look like and what it's going to be. And um, it turned out great. I'm really excited for people to see it. I mean, I am on episode six. And the only reason I'm on episode six is because there are literally just not enough hours in the day. <laughs> I... I was rushing and doing everything possible. I'm like, I gotta finish before I speak to him. Oh my God. By the way, I have to say, like, I have so much sympathy for you guys, like for, you know, who are in the business of covering like television shows. There is so much content. And, you know, in the old days, you'd like, oh, I saw the first episode because that's all there is. And now they drop all of them. And like, how in the world? I would never, ever expect you to have watched all 10 episodes. That's insanity. You know what? It's harder. Through six is so good. It's harder when it's reality TV. Like I happen to be a fan of the genre and like Netflix yeah. kills it with reality TV. And so yeah. that's different. Cause then it's like, you really, you, you watch until like episode six and you're like, okay, well I, I literally missed like 10 amazing, like brilliant things. You know, at least this is like a build, but yeah. episode yeah. six, it's so, I really can't look away. I mean, when you first got this script and you were approached to play Trevor Elliott, like what was your first reaction? Well, I was really excited. The script was great. The, um, you know, this is one, the audition for this was like, there are certain auditions you get where you just want to shoot yourself in the head because it's like 12 pages of material and you get it like the day before and they expect this perfect, you know, and it becomes this impossible Sisyphean feat. Um, this one was 12 pages of material. And it was basically like all of his scenes from the first episode. And so you've seen it, like, it's a lot of talking. It is a lot of backstory and explaining, you know, the story and this guy's story of where he was and what he was doing, because he's accused of killing his wife and her lover. And he's explaining to Mickey 
uh, his truth that he did not do this and this is why. Um, and, And it's just like great. Like it's really, it's good stuff. Um, and I was so, what made it so fun is that it was not, I didn't have to do it overnight, that I had almost a full week to work on it and prepare it. And so then, so doing the audition was actually like great. It was like do it's like doing just really great scene work. And, um, and then, uh, so I was thrilled when I got the job and, uh, you know, it's a David E. Kelly production and I've been a fan of his stuff for a long time. And, um, uh, Ted, who runs the show, comes from The Good Wife, um, which is an incredible legal drama. So um, I wasn't surprised the writing was so good. Um, I was really, really happy to be part of it. I was just going to say, like, David E. Kelly, like, when you get that call, like, do you need to ask another question? I mean, we have Boston Legal, we have Ali and yeah. we have yeah. L.A. Law. Like, do you, I mean, I assume that kind of speaks for itself. Well, exactly. Well, you know what it does is I think it, it, it just, um, uh, there's a, there's an amount of like built up trust that like his stuff going to be good. Um, you know, so, uh, and, and it, and it is, you know, and then the show's great. As an actor, like, can you tell, like when you go into this audition and you say like, you know, it wasn't the overnight, like, can you tell like, I did pretty good. Like this looks pretty good. I feel like I have a pretty, uh, I mean, partly because I've directed some. So like, I feel like I'm okay at getting out of myself and really like looking at myself critically. And, and I felt really good about this audition. Now, I, which I, I mean, I usually don't send it in if I don't feel really good about it. Um, that doesn't mean I always get the part. Um, you know, usually I don't because it's, it's a, just a numbers game. That's just how it works. But um but this one like felt really good. And then, you know, I was so, I mean, it's part of why I was so happy that it worked out because I, like, I knew it was a good audition and I knew that this was a part that I could really um, dig into. I mean, you've played so many varied characters. What is different about Trevor Elliott for you? You know, he is, oh, that's an interesting question. I, I, I... He has uh, such confidence in himself um, that I think is a big reason why he's gotten so successful. So, I mean, if you haven't seen the show, so Trevor Elliott is um, a now like very well-known video game designer. Um, Like in my head, the, the person that I kind of modeled him loosely after is Neil Druckmann at Naughty Dog, right? This is a guy who's like created, like The Last of Us is like the real video game that Naughty Dog did that I'm totally obsessed with, by the way. <laughs> like, and, uh, and so Neil directed, you know, that was his game. Um, and he's become very well known because the game is a massive hit. And so in the world of uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, Trevor Elliott's game is Nocturna. And um, the lead character that you play uh, in this video game is, is based off of his wife, um, who was also in her own right, a very talented um, game designer. Um, and so he is very successful. He's very wealthy. He's very confident. Um, and taking that confidence and then uh, having to break it 
because he has to break open his shell because he has a very uh, he's got a tough defense mech. He's got tough walls up um, to protect himself, um, but he has to break that wide open to convince Mickey that that he's innocent. To convince Mickey to take this case because he needs he needs a great lawyer. Um, so that was it's a challenge. Like it's a fine line, right? It's it's. Um, uh, it's challenging and fun and like, and the emotion has to be uh, real. Like you, you have to feel it. Well, speaking of convincing Mickey to take this case because he needs a great lawyer. And I don't know if this is intentional, but this is a scene that, and again, maybe something happens in episode seven through 10, but <laughs> the pilot where, you know, first, right. Like Mickey's deciding, you know, like if he's gonna, he's trying to pitch himself to you. And then you have this pivotal scene to me where you are, you know, he's like, I need to know what I'm working with. Like, right. are you innocent? Are you guilty? It doesn't matter. I'm interested in the case. You go through this whole speech. We see some flashbacks, you know, where at the end of that, and it's with such emotion and you ask him, you know, do you think you can work with that? And he's like, I think I can win with that. Now, to me, it's like that scene was so brilliantly acted because I'm like, I think you're like maybe 85% innocent, but I personally don't know at this point, at least at this point, it's like, I'm really doubting this. So like, was that a choice as an actor? Like, did you know what, how this all played out at this point? Was that like a showrunner? You know, this is how this should be acted or was it you or was it, or am I just reading way too much into this? No, no, that's you. Like the way you reacted to it is how you're supposed to react, right? Like, it's like you, you don't know, right? Like as the audience member, it's like, ah, cause everything points to this guy, right? Like everything points to this guy. Like he had to have done this and then you hear his side of it and and it makes you think again, like, uh, well, maybe, maybe I don't know the whole story, you know? Um, and that's, I mean, it's, it's the take, the take that you see on the show is just pretty, pretty close to what I did on the audition, which is just, you, you have to play it like this is this guy's truth, you know? Um, which is kind of always the job when you're acting anyway, is you're always playing your character's truth. You know, whether that is the truth of the storyteller, right? <laughs> At the end of the thing, like, you know, I, I mean, that's what telling the story is for, you find out. But for this guy, um, like in this moment, this is his truth. Yeah, I just yeah. thought that was, did you have a particular David E. Kelly show that you gravitated towards? Like, were you a huge Ally McBeal fan? Did I was. You... I was a big Ally McBeal fan. Yeah, I love that show. The Dancing Baby, I guess that was later, but. But yeah, all of it. That was great. And Boston Legal, man. Boston Legal was such a good one. Yeah. It's one of yeah. those was shows. That the one that James Spader was on? I forget now. Yes. James Spader and, and William Shatner. And their yeah. scenes were just like, I mean, and then you had like Candace Bergen. And eventually you had everyone in the oh. world. Julie Bowen yeah. before Modern Family. But yeah, yeah. just the acting was like so great. what about like when you get attached to a project like the Lincoln Lawyer and I don't know like the way you know everyone was cast but then like you hear like Nev Campbell's involved and like all these other greats you know like as an actor does that psych you up you know or is it just like of course it was all yeah yeah of course well Nev's wonderful um uh and uh 
Um, you know, I was really excited to meet Manuel. So um, Manuel Garcia Rulfo is, uh, plays uh, Mickey Holler, the Lincoln lawyer. And uh, which I was excited about um, because like they're, you know, in the books, Mickey is like half Mexican. Like he's a Latino, like in, from LA. And uh, so when they made the movie with Matthew McConaughey, like Matthew McConaughey is great, but um, it misses all of this extra stuff of, that that character has and deals with, and you know. Uh, and so, so I love that they cast um, Manuel in this part because now you get to feel um, a little bit more of who this guy really is in the books. Um, and he's such a wonderful actor; like he's just um, so grounded and real, and um, uh, just an absolute pleasure to work with. Um, a great guy, um, but also like English is his second language. So, if, wow. you know, like this is, this was an enormous challenge and he just, I, I feel like he hit out of the park. He's just great. Um, and then I got to have, we had like a mini Ugly Betty reunion because Becky Newton's in the show. Um, so it was really nice reconnecting with her and, um, and then Jazz and Angus were great. Um, we had a great like um, stock of directors come through. Um, yeah, it was all really good. Oh, and you know the other person is, um, uh, and I'm going to forget. I'll think of it in a minute. Someone else who was in it. Well, I mean, to your point about Manuel, I mean, it does make you wonder, like with Matthew McConaughey, like not not taking anything away from him, but you know, it mm. makes you think if this were made, even I don't know, three years ago, however many years, it may not have gone this way with someone like Manuel and the lead right. role. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know, but I thought, but I, but I love that that he's in it and he he does a great job. And yeah. you were trying to think of someone else that you can't think of. It's, um, she plays the female judge and her name is, she's so wonderful. And I remember seeing her in an Apple Fugard play when I was in college. I just can't, it's like not at the top of my head. Just gonna stop flailing around like an idiot. And just look it up like, a, oh, Lisa Gay Hamilton. Oh, thank you. Oh yeah. Lisa Gay Hamilton, who is so wonderful. And, you know, I literally like she was one, when I was in college, I was a theater major at UCLA and, and we would go and see plays at the Mark Caper Forum at the Amundsen. And, and she did this Apple Fugger play by herself um, at the Taper and just blew me away. Like it was one of those performances, you know, as a young actor that was just like, ah, oh, like if I can get into that ballpark, if I can be playing the same sport as this brilliant actor, then, um, then I will have, uh, you know, I can die happy. <laughs> um, so, so it was great. I got to, I got to meet her and tell her that. Um, so that was really um, special for me. Anyway. Was it always, act, was it always acting for you? Like growing up or did you ever have visions of being something else or doing something else with your life? I mean, not when, when I was little, I wanted to be an actor from, you know, from like fourth grade. Um, you know, that said, I, I grew up in Fresno, California. So it's, it's like four hours away from LA. There's like nobody there really like seriously pursues acting as a profession, you know, like at least very few. The wait is over. That's right. A season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back 
and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, staring into Zoom's five days a week hosting this podcast really has got me very critical about every inch of my face and my hair. And really, that's why I started using Whey. Now, let me tell you about this. Whey's thick and full supplements are amazing. They're vegan. They're once a day supplements with zero flavor in a good way. And they support thicker, fuller, and healthier hair. Something that's really important to me. They help reduce the appearance of shredding and support hair strength. Now, also something that I live and swear and die by is Whey Scalp Serum. The scalp serum I've noticed, not only does it help my hair feel stronger, but it helps it look fuller. Hello? Through like a healthy, hydrate and balanced scalp. Both of these products for me have worked wonders and I have found them to be a great solution for promoting the appearance of thicker, fuller, and healthier hair. So now when I stare at myself all day interviewing all these guests, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little happier with what I see. Grow all the way with Way Scalp Serum and Thick and Full Supplements. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code VELVETROPE to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code VELVETROPE. When I decided to partner with Dame Products after hearing so many great things about them, you know Dame, that company that helps you discover your pleasure with their thoughtfully engineered toys? Well, they decided to send me a bunch of samples. Now, when these products arrived, I happen to have three of my friends over. Literally, I've never seen a cat fight between these three friends of mine. They are speaking now, but it was touch and go there for a minute. So listen, everyone went home with something. So, you know, but listen, one of my friends went home with the Eva. Now, the Eva... Let's be honest, sex is better when everyone is enjoying themselves. The Eva is the first hands-free vibrator for couples. So she's in a relationship, so she got the Eva. That makes sense. Another one of my friends who isn't in a relationship, she took home the Palm. Palm is kind of like the opposite of the Eva. It's, you know, something you use when you're alone. My last friend who was there, don't feel sorry for her. She took home the Arc. It's a strong curve vibrator that finds, well, the perfect spot. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed, ladies. Listen, power up your pleasure with the Palm, the Eva, or any of their other toys from Dame products. That's D-A-M-E. Go to dameproducts.com and enter code VELVETROPE today for 15% off site-wide. That's Dame Products, D-A-M-E.com. Enter code VELVETROPE and get 15% off site-wide. Um, and they you know, can't stay in Fresno to do that. Um, but they have, they had lots of opportunities in Fresno. You know, there's lots of arts in the schools. And, um, and I ended up going to, um, there was an arts magnet school um, that I went to for high school, um, or at least my last three years of high school. And it really gave me a lot of opportunities to perform. There's like a local dinner theater there that, that um, I performed in as a kid. And, 
and it's supported by the community. And, and so there were opportunities for me to really try it. And I liked it. And people, you know, I was, look, I was a kid, I was getting a lot of attention for it. So, um, so it felt like something that I could do. Um, and then I went to UCLA and majored in theater there. And it was kind of when I got there that I, I, I really felt like, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. Cause now I'm in a much bigger pool. Right. And I still felt like I, I could swim in this pool with, you know, like I didn't feel out of place. Um, you know, and I mean, and I grew up as a kid in Fresno, like around some really talented people like Audra McDonald went to my high school, you know, like we had like some real, um, some real, real, really talented folks um, that I was like around, which was really lucky. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Audra McDonald has, things have worked out pretty well for her too. Right. Like it was like, I used to, you know, I watched her do Evita when she was 18 years old, like at the dinner theater and, you know, and then even then she blew everybody's mind. Wow. Yeah. I read on the internet because we all know that things on the internet are true, right? But I mean, I was going to everything ask on the is, internet is true is a hundred percent true. It was your first job as an intern on Baywatch. Is this true? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it wasn't my first job, but I guess it was my first like real exposure to the entertainment industry, like the professional entertainment industry. Yeah, that's true. I had, um, and it's such a weird connection that I it got me there um it was like the summer before I graduated UCLA my grandfather went to medical school with the father of one of the executive producers of Baywatch and somehow through that connection they set me up with an internship there that summer and so I went and spent and like they just made this out of whole cloth. Like there was not like an internship program at Baywatch, right? Like they were just like, oh, sure. What's his name's like, you know, dad's friend's grandkid wants to come by. All right, sure. Why don't you, we'll do this. And so they, they like each week, it was, I don't know, like a five week thing or a four week thing. And each week they just put me in a different department. And that week I'd hang out and help in that department. So they did like a week in casting and a week in, um, like on set, I did a week in, I don't know, I don't even remember, never costumes. Um, but, um, yeah, like, you know, in music and, uh, and it was great. It was, you know, I had a great time. I was going to say like, what does an internship at Baywatch entail? Like, that's just, that's what it was. It was kind of like moving around the production office and seeing how things work. They did let me audition once, um, and it was for like a one line role of the swimmer and like the teaser where this, you know, some guy's in trouble out of the ocean and he gets rescued and he says, thanks or something like that. And so I came, I was committed. Like, first of all, I thought for sure they were just going to give me this part because like they liked me and, and, but just to make sure they knew how I was committed, I came and did my thanks audition in a fully in a speedo. Um, and then did not get the part. They hired a stuntman because, of course, that's what you would do. And then was ridiculed for showing up in a Speedo the rest of the summer. Oh, my God. That's funny. Did you have any exposure to, like, Pam Anderson, the Hoff? Like, yeah. That? Really? I mean, a little bit. On set, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, she, like, she was super nice. Like, super nice. You know, we didn't, like, talk and hang out. But the couple times that we interacted, she was very nice and kind and and, um, you know, the David Hasselhoff, the same thing, like just kind of around the office, 
but nothing serious. That's, you know, that's nice. Like, look, you Pam Anderson, yeah. doesn't, not everyone's going to say hi to the intern, right? I mean, I guess you should. Yeah, absolutely. But... No, she was super nice. Yeah. Well, listen, you then had some, you know, small parts and some of my favorites, Party of Five, Felicity, but let's talk about the brilliant, brilliant before it's time popular. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, such a good show. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Murphy, like, could you, you know, what was that, what was that experience like? I mean, it was Ryan Murphy before he was Ryan Murphy, so to speak. Yeah, uh, it was, I mean, it was great. You know, it was at the time, it was my first series regular role in a TV show. Um, in some ways, like Ryan really spoiled us for everything else because uh, like we became really close uh, with Ryan. Like we were great friends. Like suddenly, you know, he was whisking us off to New York and taking us to the upfronts, you know, like the show got picked up and he, he was like, oh, you guys are coming to New York with me. And, like none of the cast was invited, you know, like, but suddenly, you know, we were going, or I think maybe Leslie and Carly were, were invited, but the rest of the cast was not invited. But then, but then Ryan just took us and like, kind of, we ended up then crashed everything, like, <laughs> you know, um, it was really exciting. Um, and the show was, I mean, like you said, it was really ahead of its time. It, like people weren't quite ready for it. Um, you know, but also it was Ryan's first show. Like he was figuring it out, right? And like kind of finding his voice and um, he's found it. I mean, I would say that he's found it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. do you watch like American Horror Story, American Crime, Pose, which I mean is over now. I mean, we, I loved the first season of American Horror Story and I haven't really kept up with it after that, but the first season I really, really loved. Um, I love the OJ uh, thing. It was so, so good. good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now there's so much that it's like, I can't keep up, but, um, but uh, you know, all of his stuff, uh, I mean, it's part of why I think he's been so successful and people like love his stuff so much is it, it has a voice, right? Like it's, it's him. It's his aesthetic. It's his um, like, you know, when you're watching a Ryan Murphy show, um, and, and more often than not, like it's fun. Um, I think it's part of why we had so much fun on popular because it was fun. Like it was just like fun personified. Listen, when you have Delta Burke, you know, making uh, guest appearances, I yeah. mean, what more do you want? Right. Like I Mary mean, Cherry's dad is RuPaul. Come on. Like that's gold. I'm like, does anyone realize the brilliance of all that is happening here? I mean, I don't know. Now that like Ryan Murphy is this thing, I mean, he should, I don't know, do something with these classics. Right? Let's have a, well, I mean, I know you're busy with the Lincoln lawyer, but if he called, listen, he's done well by Leslie Grossman. I mean, she's killing it in American yeah. Horror Story. Would you say yes if Ryan called you? Of course. Yeah, of course. It's all good stuff. I mean, do you keep in touch with any of those guys, like Leslie or Leslie Bibb? I mean, loosely. Yeah, loosely still. Like, um, I mean, Bibb, we haven't seen in a while. Bibb organized, like, a, a kind of an unofficial reunion for AIDS Walk a few years ago um, here in L.A., which was great. It was really nice to kind of, for a good chunk of us, to get together and spend a little time together because we hadn't really done that in 
I don't know, maybe a decade. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like we kind of loosely keep in touch. And then some of us, like Ryan got an award at the Paley Center. He got like the first Norman Lear Award. So like some of us were there for that. Um, you know, I mean, we just, we've been, Tamara Mello is still a friend. Like she just made, like she makes jewelry now. And so she, we had, she made some necklaces that we gave when our older son um, who's autistic him graduated from high school last year. And so we had little like team Lucas necklaces that um, Mello made that we gave to all of like his teachers at the high school that kind of helped get him through there. Wow. So, so yeah, we still like, you know, and social media is great for that too, to kind of, you kind of see what everybody's doing. Absolutely. Does it ever, do you take it like personally like, as an actor? Like, look, I also watched Harper's Island, which I loved. I love Jake yeah. 2.0, you know, like when you are on a show, which, you know, like, should listen tv we never know right like how it's yeah. all gonna work out so like when yeah. you're on a show like jake 2.0 or like harper's island where you're like this has potential this could go on for a long time and then it does it you know yeah. are you like Ugh. or is it just like look i did my job i was there and now it's over and this is the life of an actor like let me move on i mean it's both right uh, I, I would say in almost every instance um, you get attached to these projects. I mean, you get attached to your character. You get attached to the products. I mean, the the um, the products. Oh project. Yeah. This is because it's early in LA at this time. Yeah. <laughs> you have um, an excuse. You know, but and also like you make relationships, right? You're working very closely with people, so it's always painful when it ends. Um, sometimes it's less painful than others, depending on the show. But it always it's always painful, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, you mentioned Becky. I mean, listen, I have to say, as I was watching this, I kept episode after episode saying, can they please just have a scene <laughs> of significant substance together? <laughs> and I imagine every ugly Betty fan is watching saying they just want you to have some meaty scene with Becky Newton and this Lincoln lawyer. I know we don't have meaty scenes together. Um, however, I did shoot, we did shoot two little videos um, as our Ugly Betty characters that I have. Really? That I don't, that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> but they're I like mean, little- I mean, you can send them to me. Get, you can put you them wanna, on, I mean- Do you want to post them? 100% I will post them with this episode. Are you kidding me? Okay, yeah, I'll send them to you. I don't know what to do with them and I don't know uh, like literally I was like, I, I don't know what to do with these now that I've made them. I mean, they're dumb and so short, um, but they're like cute. And it's like, it is a little bit of fan service for people, you know, for the 12 to 15 people that are like, oh, hey, they were an ugly buddy. And they can watch these. I was like, okay, maybe the next episode, maybe the next episode, like just, just maybe passing in, in the hallway somewhere, please I people. Know. I mean, what was the Ugly Betty experience like? Like, do you realize like what a cult show this is for so many people, like myself included? Yeah. I just, it's the love is there. Do you think there's anything about me which is a calm, relaxed, chilled out person by nature? I mean, do you? I'm waiting for the answer. No. And I've tried so many things to help me calm down and to help me sleep. Warm baths candles, everything else, none of it works. The thing that has helped me more than 
anything is the Calm app. It's the number one mental wellness app that gives you the tools to improve the way that you feel. So the Calm app for me helped me reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations. I've done, there's, they have these curated music tracks that you listen to and they just help you like rest and recharge. And they also have imaginative sleep stories. So it's actually helped me sleep. It's just awesome. (sighs) Takes the edge off guys. Now for listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40 percent off a calm premium subscription you go to calm.com slash velvet rope you go to calm.com slash velvet rope for 40 percent off unlimited access to calm's entire library that's calm.com slash velvet rope being is reality tv for your ears that's right instead of watching it on your screen like we love to do with the real housewives every week now you can listen that's right being is an innovative new audio format like no other podcast you ever heard you listen in on people's lives that's right this season it's being trans. Meet Chloe, Jeffrey, Mariana, and Sai. Over the course of six episodes, you get to be a fly on the wall. And what do we love better? For their most intimate conversations and unscripted raw moments. It really is like what we do and watch on the TV. We now can listen in podcast format. It's such a genius idea, really. Listen, you'll ride alongside all of these wonderful people as they handle health, family, relationships, love lives, friendships, and of course, there's drama and everything else that comes from living life as a transgender person in Los Angeles. From Lemonada Media's Being Studios, this is an audio reality version of what we all love. This is Being Trans. Being Trans is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. I mean, I did the first two seasons and and I... I mean, I literally cried when Silvio told me that I, I they, that I was not going to go with the show to New York. I was devastated um, because it was such. I was just having the best time. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, I love that show. And you know, like, like and my wife and Ellen, I had gotten really close with America and Ryan and Anna, like everybody on the. Um, in the cast and um Vanessa Williams was like seriously obsessed with me like she had such a huge crush on me David um like it was embarrassing well that's I was just I mean as you shake your head I was gonna say I know you met your wife on this but I mean you you know couldn't you have you know maybe before that like I mean it's Vanessa Williams come on I mean I, I listen, I know it's just, I just, I mean, the reason nothing happened between Vanessa and myself is really just because um, Vanessa and myself have so much love and respect for my wife. Of course. You know? of um, course. I just didn't want to do that to her. And, and frankly, to Vanessa's credit, neither did she. We, it's see. not something we ever talked about, but like, you can see that kind of thing in a person's eyes, you know? See, that's nice of her. She's a respectful, right? No, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. I mean, aside from being so beautiful and talented and lovely in every way, um, you know, she also respects boundaries. Um, Listen, I always knew that Vanessa Williams was a class act. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Did you learn anything like from Vanessa? I mean, America, I know you had most of your scenes with America. Like, did you learn anything from them or just on that show in general? Oh boy, you know, I was, um, 
I mean, it was interesting. Yeah, the uh, I, I don't know how to you talk about it, but like Vanessa is a great example, and and I've had actually a lot of examples like this. It's in fact of you get like you work with these people who are really icons, right? Like Vanessa Williams, like Henry Winkler, Stockard Channing, like people I've worked with who are icons. Um, and and the thing that I always I'm just kind of checking my brain right now. Um, but I think this is always true is, at least in my experience, is they are always amongst the hardest working people on the set. Like, it's not just that they're incredibly talented, like they just have talent. It is also that they work really hard and they really care um, and they want everybody to be great. Um, and they're also great to work with. Um, so that has been, you know, it's just a great example as I've, you know, worked now well, 20 years in the business of just constantly being reminded, of, yeah, all the, the best people that I've worked with, um, no matter how long they've been doing it, are still busting their ass um, and they still care. Um, and that's why they're still there and relevant. That makes sense. And almost like cognizant of the fact, like I'm sure like a Vanessa Williams on Ugly Betty is cognizant of the fact that, you know, everyone's in the room, we all have the job, but that there are people maybe quietly in the corner looking up to her. Yeah. Just for her iconic status, like you said. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Um, and the other cool thing about Betty is like really watching America come into her own. Um, you know, she... Um, was very young, you know, I mean, she was, I mean, she used to like joke about how old I was because I was 10 years older than her, you know, so it was like, she was like, you're 32. This is disgusting. You're so, you're an old man. <laughs> right. And we would laugh. Um, but, uh, but she was getting so much success so quickly, really with Betty. Um, but, you know, like Vanessa, like it never went to her head in a, uh, in a way that she then thought, well, now I can just relax now. Like she was always, always, always uh, like every scene trying to make, make it better, trying to make it as good as it could be. Um, uh, which, you know, I had a lot of respect for her. and, um, and, you know, and it served her well because now, you know, she's, like just continued to grow yeah. um, as an artist and as a person. Yeah. And to be in the show, like, you know, like, again, like, you know, I go back to Manuel, like you talk about like diversity and inclusion, like that's, you know, mm -hmm. it's a thing now, like look at like Ryan and like Shonda Rhimes and everything yeah. else. But yeah, I yeah. think Ugly Betty was way ahead of its time in that sense too. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, and behind the camera, I mean, you know, Silvio Orta and, you know, is as a showrunner, you know, he was, you know, and I mean, rest in peace because he was the only at the time um, Latino showrunner in Hollywood. Like he was it. And the pressure on that guy was enormous. Um, sorry, we, Sylvia and I have the same birthday, you know, he, so like this is going to be. Um, so we, we used to like reach out and talk to each other every year. Um, 
just on her birthdays, it's nothing else. And so it's now that he's gone. Um, yeah, it makes me sad. But yeah. um, but the great thing is, it's like he he really did like help pave the way for um, inclusion behind the camera, which um, is as important, you know, as what's happening in front of the camera. That's a good point. Do you keep in touch with like America and other people? I mean, obviously. Yeah, America. Yeah, America and Ryan are still close friends. Um, and um, I see from Betty, like Anna Ortiz occasionally. Um, Vanessa keeps a respectful distance from um, from me and my family, which I appreciate. I- <laughs> she doesn't want to. She's just like, she just. She doesn't. She's trying, well, I'm telling you, it's your wife. She's just trying to. She does. She can't control herself. I mean, obviously. She does. I mean, you know, she invited us to her wedding, which, um, you know, she got married a few years ago now in, in Buffalo and it was beautiful. So I think that was the last time that we saw like a big group of the Betty folks together was at Vanessa's wedding. Um, and then some of, yeah, not really, not much of the cast, but some of the writers um, at Sylvia's memorial, but um yeah, we still see America all the time when they're in town. Yeah. Has I mean, for been... us all the time. We have kids, so we all see TV all the time, except our kids. But <laughs> That's true. You know, you're in the kids mode. Has there ever been any talk of like, you know, an Ugly Betty reboot? You know, there was, um, they did some kind of like reunion thing at, um, I think it was South by Southwest or the, ATX festival or something a few yeah, years I, ago. I, I, I was directing so. a mo- I was directing a movie at the time, so I couldn't make it. So, but there was talk about, but but it's never happened. And I have no idea why. Yeah, I really don't know. So like every once in a while, I see like chatter about it online, but um, I never hear any serious chatter about it, and I have no idea. Excuse me, I have no idea why that is. Well, once you send me these videos and I release them with this episode, now there's going to be a mini. There we go. There we go. It'll be like, uh, what about, do you think that they could, like could do it and would you do it, you know, without like, so, you know, like, could you now do it now that he's gone? I mean, yes. Sorry. I've got this little dog is going crazy. This, this, yeah. and this, we, hey. we've had, we've had many a dog on this, on this show yes. here behind the velvet rope. Sorry. Here. Oh, it wouldn't be the here. first. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, under the right circumstances, sure. But honestly, like if there was some kind of reboot or thing, I don't know that I would be in it. Like other than, I don't know that Henry would be around still just character wise. I don't know if it would make sense, but I would love to do, I mean, I would love to be a part of it if they did something, of course. Well, just because Betty and Henry didn't end up together, right. I mean, we have a lot of years now. Maybe perhaps Henry's with Betty now. Maybe. Maybe. At the time, you know, like the when when Silvio told me that the baby was gonna be mine, right? But like that's when I knew that's when I knew I it, it, things might not work out the way that I had hoped because like nobody was going to want Betty to be the mom of somebody else's kid. Right. 
Like they just, the audience would not want that. Now, 15 years later or whatever, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, who knows? But also like, I mean, she probably met someone in London, right? <laughs> There's a lot of scenarios, but you know what? what? I can tell you the audience would like Henry to be involved and to be with Betty or at least in in the damn reboot. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking things might work out for you if there is a reboot. Listen, All right. send a text to Vanessa. Maybe this will be a reason to talk to her. Send a text to America. <laughs> and between the two of them, they they got some pull. They could start right. this thing. They could start. Yeah, you know. I exactly mean, right. Superstore right. is over. Come on, America. Like let's You're let's right. let's get on it. Well, it was it was a great show. What about you know your work on covert affairs? Like you played you know a blind man. How yeah. do you like prepare? And do you love when you take on a new role that has like you know like a different challenge like in a character that you've never played before? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Covert was, I mean, at the beginning, it was terrifying because I, I mean, they, we, it brought me up to start doing the prep work for the pilot. And like, no one was talking to me about the blind stuff. Like, no one. <laughs> and so, so I was like, well, shit, like, I, I better get some help. So I, I, reached out to the Canadian National Institute for the Blind in Toronto. And uh, they were super helpful. There's a woman there, there, well, used to be there named Leslie McDonald, who um, connected me with um, a gentleman who had lost his sight when he was 19. So around the same age when, you know, Augie lost his sight under different circumstances, but around the same age. And so, you know, I got this chance to sit down and talk with him and watch him and observe and have conversations and then you know they and then Leslie would teach me things like how to use the cane and how to do all the the physical behavior um and so I really um worked really hard to make sure that uh I was not just me but the show was really respecting um the, the blind community you know and really doing our best to portray that disability as accurately as we can within the confines of, you know, this fictional show. Right. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of pressure. I, I just really, I didn't want to insult people. Um, uh, I wanted to, you know, that community to be able to, you know, see the show and, and be able to tell people like, yeah, that's a, you know, that's, a good portrayal that's a positive portrayal of our community um you know and it's tricky because um especially now more than then but even back then there was you know some talk about like well why didn't you cast a blind actor to play this part um you know which is a question i didn't get a lot i think now you would get more um just because there's more of an effort to actually do things like that um, and it's important. Um, so it was challenging um, because I got to play that character for five years. Uh, you know that it's it's been my favorite role because you know I just got to do so much. Um, like really got to like walk around in his shoes for a long time and and, and so many different um, circumstances. It, it was just great. It was just great, and I felt like I got really good at it. 
which is, is also a nice feeling. Is there anything in particular like you learned about like the blind community, like through your research or like playing the role like for five years? Oh my God, so, uh, so much, so much. I mean, it's one of those things like you don't, I mean, the crazy thing is, is, is for sighted people, you know, most of us don't know anyone who's blind. And so because of that, like we're never, we don't know anything about it. Like we don't know anything about the blind community. We don't know anything about that culture. We don't know anything about that experience unless you've known someone, right? Because we don't teach that kind of stuff. Um, so everything was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, like I, I had... Uh, um, like the difference between be, between being congenitally blind, like blind from birth, right? And losing your sight, you know, as a young adult or a child or as an adult and like what that means, like the differences between your experiences and how you um, experience the world, you know, like someone who's grown up with sight and then loses their sight, sight still like can visualize things, right? Right. Someone who's never had sight, there is no such thing as visualization right? It's all their experience of the world is completely like auditory or sensory. Um, and so there were specific things, some like specific physical things that we had to figure out, you know, just um, early in the show thing, you know, there were lots of walk and talks, right? So Piper and I walking down a hallway talking about whatever. And, you know, there was at least one time early in the shooting where we were walking side by side and then we, you know, walking down a hallway and then we turn and walk down another hallway and, and we'd done it two or three times before it occurred to me that, Oh shit. I, unless I haven't been holding on to you, I haven't been doing sighted lead. Right. So unless I'm holding on to you, I can't possibly turn when you turn because I can't see you. Turn. <laughs> like I would just keep going until I heard that you were gone. And then there would, and we don't want to play that moment. So all of that stuff we just filmed is worthless. We can't use that. We have to start over and I have to be holding on to her elbow. Um, you know, if wow. we want to do this specific physical thing. And so like with each director that would come in, there was like an education that would have to take place. Um, and there was some experimenting. Like one of the things that I noticed in, you know, in talking and hanging out with blind people is, is particularly with uh, people who had sight and then lost it is they're actually really good at making eye contact. Um, and so we had to make the, the choice to make Augie not good at eye contact, not because he wouldn't be, but because it's confusing to the TV audience, right? Like it, because if I'm making eye contact, it looks like I can see Piper, right? So we had to purposefully move the eye line to make it so I'm never making eye contact because it's just confusing in the camera. Um, so that's like one of those things. It's like, okay, that's not, yeah, like that's not accurate, but it's necessary for the storytelling. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Is it, you know, you talked about like, like Vanessa Williams, like America, like, is it different for you? Like now you're number one or number two on the call sheet for that show. Like, is that like a different experience? Like, is it true what they say? Like, you know, it, do you feel pressure? Like, oh, I'm setting the tone for all these other actors on the show or now you're just like, let, let me do my job, people. Um, like I was number one on the call sheet for Jake. Um, and so, and on Covert, I was number two. And, and so, especially that first season, um, I think 
I tried to be helpful to Piper who'd never done a TV show before, right? And just kind of like letting her know kind of how things might work and like letting her know that um, just being there kind of as a support um, in that, you know, first part of that first season. I mean, she's such a pro like, and, and uh, you know, didn't really need a lot of advice. Um, um, but uh, I could definitely, uh, I was very empathetic, you know, to, to that experience. Cause I'd, I'd been through a version of that and I know, you know, and there is pressure when the show is premiering um, and especially, you know, when you're the face on the poster, there's a pressure that, you know, that, that you want it to succeed and you want it to do well. And, and, you know, you're afraid like, well, if it doesn't do well, what's that say about me, right? Is that a judgment on me? Right. Um, which of course like, it's not really like that, you know, that's the thing is, is, you know, making television, making movies, they're massive community building exercises, you know, like no matter whose face is on the poster, like if it's, it's not that one person's fault, if the movie isn't good or the TV show isn't good, um, it's not even necessarily that person's fault if the performance in an episode isn't good because, you know, as Catholic, we're not in charge of how things are filmed. We're not in charge of how things are edited together. You know, like there, there certainly have been episodes of things where I felt great on the day about how it turns out. And then I see the episode and I just want to bury my head in the sand because, you know, they didn't use any of the takes that I thought, you know, that I was really proud of. You're like, wait a second. And, yeah. you know, sometimes TV shows are great and they just don't succeed. Yeah. Such as that other phenomenal Netflix show that you were in, Insatiable. Yes. <laughs> sure. Sure. Which, by the way, like went two seasons. So yeah, some success. Yeah, some success, some success. And like, I mean, right, like TV is different these days. And I mean, listen, yeah. I, I think it was a great success. I just wanted it to go on for like, you know, many years to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was I mean, what was it like being on that show? I mean, that was a departure. I mean, maybe a little ugly Betty ish, but certainly way yeah. more over the top. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of popular too. Um, yeah, a lot in tone. I mean, without all the, without the murder, it was like popular meets Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's yeah, that, I mean, you know, that's one where I had no idea what I was signing up for. Like zero. I mean, the pilot, I mean, you look at that pilot and it's like quirky and it's, you know, fun and it's colorful and it's silly and, you know, all of those things. But like never in my wildest dreams when I agreed to do that pilot did I imagine that I would end up in that bathroom, you know, ripping off Dallas's toupee and then making out. <laughs> it was like, what? what is happening? Cool, cool. All right, let's go. And by the way, like in the pilot script that I read, Bob Barnard never took his shirt off. Like that was not a thing. Like uh, that was a rewrite that happened like while I was, like in the air flying down to Atlanta, I got a new script. I was like, oh, great. Well, awesome. I guess I'm going to be living in the gym and not eating for the next six weeks. Do you get used to taking your shirt off? I mean, you've taken your shirt off in many shows that you've been well, on. Well, it's, it's really kind of started in Ugly Betty. Yeah. It, it kind of started in Betty. 
and then um yeah it, well it was funny because in i guess it even started like it because i took my shirt off in jake but like when i was doing jake especially after the pilot like my whole and it's so i think i feel like it's so different now but like my whole mentality then i was like oh well the whole thing is like he's just this nerdy computer programmer who now has these nanites that make him strong so like he's not a superhero right that's the whole like i'm like to be like accurate to who this guy is like he's he never has to like get ripped because it's not his muscles that are doing it it's the nanobots and things so i was like oh cool until like the first time i had to take my shirt off on the show and i was like well i don't know if it's right for the character or not but for, for but i think i need to go to the gym <laughs> so, you're like for and, everyone and also, who's watching this i think i'm just gonna go to the gym today yeah well and also like there was so much like stunt work that just physically i was getting hurt and like i was like okay i need to get stronger um and so but then yeah but then so then when i when they gave me the heads up that i was gonna be in my underwear and betty um like i really like cracked down because part you know and also like i thought it would be really like funny i was like this is like hilarious if this guy takes his shirt off and he's this ripped guy underneath there and nobody knows that's funny um and it was like it was shocking to even the producers of betty who like the next day like came down and were like okay who was that like how did you like who they thought it was like some kind of camera trick they were like whose body was that <laughs> like thanks guys they're like wait a second we've been working with you they're like wait let us maybe write a few more shirtless scenes for henry <laughs> totally and then suddenly america's eating ice cream off of my stomach and then yeah. now you just get cast over and over for this you know there there you go when did you find out like an insatiable like wait a second this character is taking a turn and is now gonna you know be making out with your nemesis and yeah it was kind of when we got picked up by netflix so we shot the pilot and like i think lauren told me on while we were shooting the pilot she was like um you're in love with bob and i but i i don't know that i believed her i was like okay (laughs) like sure sure whatever great cool cool um and so when we got picked up and actually started making the shows and she was like no you're in love with bob (laughs) i was like copy that okay great and you know it's like okay well at least that explains the shirt thing every episode right it's like all right well at least now there's a reason Right. You know, it's like this guy's just, he's a peacock. Like he's showing off. He's trying to seduce this guy. And it's, and it's hilarious. And that's the thing too. It was like, oh, that's funny. Like, yeah, great. Oh, great. That's hilarious. I'm on board. And like, there's an emotional, um, there's something, there's an emotional core to it that you can hold on to, which, which is good. And then pays off like in such, you know, those scenes are beautiful. Yeah. What was it like working with Alyssa Milano? It was great. We've worked together before. We did a little movie called um, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend uh, five or ten years before Insatiable. And, and so it was kind of, it was a nice reunion. We get along great. Yeah. And she's like, again, one of these people who's a total pro. Like she works, she shows up, she's prepared, she delivers. Um, yeah, great. What about, I know you've done some directing of like films and, you know, also in covert affairs, like is directing yeah. something you want to do more of? 
Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it actually. It's um, um, I, I well, I still love performing, but that like the one frustration, like having been a performer for so long now, is is I just I really love being involved in everything. Um, and so it's the nice thing about directing is just you are involved in all of the creative decisions, and that I enjoy. Yeah. It's fully encompassing. Is there a part, you know, because like you say, like sometimes you have a great audition, you get close, you don't get the part. Like, yeah, yeah. is there a part that you almost got or you were heavily in the mix for in the mix for where we could say like, oh my God, that's so-and-so, you know? <laughs> um, like I've heard Leslie Grossman say that she was like heavily in the mix to be Julie Bowen's role in Claire Dunphy in my Oh, family. I believe that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I totally believe that. And then you're yeah. like, okay, you know, like not taking anything away from the person that got the role because it turned out great. But you're yeah. like, holy shit, like, wow, that would have been great. Like, or just different. Yeah, it's like, oh, that would have been different. Yeah, yeah. it would have been. Um, anything like that where you've just been heavily in the mix or in the mix? I mean, yeah, but the... I mean, it's me. It's not going to mean anything to you. Like there was... the there was a pilot this year um, that I was heavily in the mix for um, that I ended up losing out on. Um, and it was, and it, because it was, and, and it was with people that I, I'm not going to name names, but it's like with people that, um, that I have a relationship with. And so it like felt from the moment that it was like that I was getting that I was getting into the mix, it felt like, oh, this is gonna work. Like, this is great. This is gonna work. I like this. These, like, I like all these people. They know me. Like, it's. And then it didn't. <laughs> I get the last. It was one of those things. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is happening. This is happening. And then, and then it's Friday, and it's like silence. And then it's silence over the weekend. And then it's Monday, and it's like, hmm. <laughs> it's like. And then, and then it didn't happen. And it took, it took a minute. Like that one took it out of me for a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, again, having done this for a while, it was, even though like you feel it emotionally, like what I was telling myself honestly was like, all right, well, look, if this isn't it, then the silver lining is you're available for something else and maybe something else is going to come along. And then actually, and then something good. I just did this pilot called unplanned in Akron for CBS. It's a, it's a multi-cam. It's like the first multi-cam that I've done since two broke girls. And and it's just a great part and it's a great story. And it's like, you know, it's about these two teen, two 17 year olds who had a baby and then decided they were going to drop out of school and raise their kid. And they move in with, um, the uh, the dad's parents, um, who are played by me and Katie Mixon, and so it's like young, like I'm playing a grandpa, which is hilarious, um, but it's like young parents and the young grandparents, like having to deal with this massive life change, and you know it's like families all over this country, like do do exactly this, and like there's no, you know, there's no intergenerational family like that on TV right now. Um, and it's such like a funny, like really touching script and it's multi-cam, which is so much fun. And like, um, and it's on CBS, which knows how to do that. So it feels great. And we shot the pilot and it went really well. And so now we'll see what happens with it. But um, 
Um, but I yeah, mean, one of these things where... you had me at the first, but then you throw in Katie Nixon, and I'm like, right? Did you American Housewife was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie? So good. So yeah, yeah. She's come on, and... come on, CBS, pick this up. I know, I know. And like the kids, the cast are so good. Like it's just you know, it's and it's like a great. Like it reminds me, like it reminds me a little bit of Roseanne, but like a nicer family, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like it's, I love it's it. Yeah. Did you love doing Two Broke Girls? Because you were great in that too. It was a great show. It was so much fun. Like you know, it's it's been a while. Like since before Two Broke, like the last multicam I did was out of practice on CBS, and and so it'd been a hot minute, and uh, it was great. Yeah, I had a great time. Like those girls, um, you know, that was what season six. It was like I did eight of their last ten episodes, and um, yeah, it was funny. It was funny. Everybody on that show, we got along really well, so I was I was happy with it. Yeah. Do you ever get starstruck? I mean, like we said, like you've worked with so many different people. You know, I mean, Alyssa, Vanessa, but really uh, huge, like icons like you've named like yeah. do you are you the type that gets starstruck or is it all about the work for you or well, like even like being out in LA you go to dinner you're sitting next to someone well you know what happened I was while we were shooting we shot the um unplanned and Akron pilot we shot at CBS Radford and you know we used I mean gosh 18 no geez it's 20 years ago we used to live kind of over near there in Valley Village um but it's been a minute since we've been over there and and so now, like across the street from CBS Radford, there's always been a Trader Joe's, but then it was like McDonald's. It was like, you know, a little mini mart. And now it's like super fancy. <laughs> like, you know, there's a instead of McDonald's, you've got like blue bottle coffee and you uh-huh. know all the fancy stuff. Um, so on the way into work, um, I stopped and got myself a fancy coffee but on my way in there's like oh there's Sasha Baron Cohen sitting out having coffee like outside just was like oh right I'm in like this is LA like that's right that's right I'm just I'm you know walking by Sasha Baron Cohen to get my coffee and then going across the street to CBS Radford to make a tv show it's normal it's fine it's no big deal (laughs) you're like just in case you know so weird Two things. Now, not that I'm trying to like snoop around behind you, but I have to say, is this a Prince? Is this a, is this a Prince album that I see in your background? Yeah, that's, that's, but that's Anel's. All of these, just about everything cool that you might notice about where I live or um, what I'm wearing probably comes from my wife. So those are Anel's records. Yeah. Well, you tell her she has she great had taste had in music if, I, if we're starting with Prince. Yes, I, I, those are the two things I noticed. I noticed yeah. the pictures of the two of you the whole time, but literally yeah, yeah. in the past one second, I'm like, wait a second, before we go, do I see Prince in your background? Yeah, yep, yeah. Tell your wife she has great taste in music. Uh, she does. She, she I will does. tell her you said that. She will be tickled, but um, yeah. And she knows it, by the way. Like, she's not shy about her great taste in music. <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know, the pictures I noticed, but I was like, wait, do I see Prince right there? What do you want people to take away from Trevor Elliott, like, as they watch The Lincoln Lawyer? Again, brilliant oh. season, you know, I'm on episode six, but, like, what, what do you want yeah, yeah. people to kind of get from this character? Well, I just, what I, I, I want people to have the experience that you've been having. So that made me really happy, which is like, I want you to not know, right? Like, I want you to not know, because if you don't, 
because that way it just makes the story that just makes the story so much more fun right like like i want you to question uh and not know and and question what you think you know um so that you can go on this journey um because it's a good story yeah it's a good story and i think for me like not knowing i think is tied into like what you said like this is a very successful man you know yeah. who yes has given us some story that it's all because of his wife and he would never have gotten here but that's an easy thing to say you know it's like you're just like yeah. you believe it and then you're like yeah. this is just such a a brilliant man that has been so successful in this fictitious world of creating right. things you're like i'm like 85 percent there where i'm like i believe this guy is innocent but i don't know and like at the end is this going to be a big reveal of like thank you for getting me off by the way you know like those final <laughs> three minutes where like and then and then it's so you also get into this whole thing like which is to manuel's point is like this you believe that this is such a brilliant lawyer like could yep. for me this is how my mind works the big reveal be it's over you get off as innocent which we don't even know and yet you're going to reveal maybe to him, by the way, I'm guilty. And maybe he's going to reveal, obviously you're guilty. Like, it's like, I'm so like, this is where my mind goes. It's like, the joke's going to actually be on you. Cause like, he's known this all along. Like, I don't know. This right. is so that, but that's the great thing of the experience of the show is like, you just don't know. Yes. Yeah. See, so it's like, yeah, that's the fun. That's the adventure. Yeah. Right. I mean, and the nice thing is, is the, you know, because, uh, because it's Netflix, like you can get to the end as quickly or as slowly as you want, right? You can dole it out if you want, or you can just sit there and bang it all out over a weekend and know the answer. Or you could take 10 weeks and just do one a week, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to cover that I didn't bring up? I appreciate your time. I like to give people a chance at the end to talk yeah. about anything at all that you would like, I you mean, know? No, I think we could, my God, Covered just, I mean, we, we had all the bullet points and really the important thing right now is, is, um, is the Lincoln lawyer. I just, you know, hope people will watch it and, and enjoy it. And, um, and, that, and uh, I mean, that's it right now. And then, you know, we'll see about, uh, I mean, frankly, by the time the Lincoln lawyer premieres, we might know about unplanned in Akron. So. Wow. Um, we'll see. Triple fingers crossed. It's great. Everyone needs to watch it. Listen, it's David E. Kelly, you, Nev, Becky Newton, Ugly Betty Reunion. Yeah. Oh, and I'll send you those videos. Yeah. Do you want to, I mean, however you want to send them, you could send them through your team to my team, whatever's easier for you, but I will really great. post them and play it great. up and people will go crazy and it will be a great Oh, promotion. good. I'm glad. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with them. And um, I think this would be a fun way to get them out. I will gladly take them, but I appreciate, okay. I really am enjoying this show. So like, I appreciate your time. Where could everyone follow you on Instagram that doesn't already do so? Yeah. On Instagram, I'm just at Chris Gorham. Um, same on Twitter uh my facebook i think is real chris gorham fan i actually am not even sure that's true i think that's right Sounds and then like i have a right. website at yeah my website is just real chris or real christopher either or i love it well listen thank you for your time and taking this hour with me and taking a trip down memory lane to all these other shows yeah. congrats no, on funny. the lincoln lawyer again thanks david appreciate it i enjoyed speaking take care all right. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.